welcome to episode 10 of Top 3 Protected. I am your host, Eddie, along with Eric and Rashid, and it is the day before the draft. Uh, by the time you hear this, it will be the day of the draft. Um, the Sixers are currently slated at the 10th slot. Uh, we have a couple things to talk about today. We're going to talk about, obviously, the Sixers' position at 10 whether they are actually going to move up and get a top five pick, as rumors said, and also will address some Kawhi rumors and amongst other things. Um, but first things first, how are you guys? I'm well. How are you? I'm chilling. Can't complain. Can't complain. Um, so I guess we'll just start uh, at the top. And uh, Rashid, I'll start with you since he made this glorious big board. That was way better than anything I could have done. I just watched YouTube videos. Uh, currently, the Sixers are slated at 10. Um, at this 10 spot, who do you like the most? I'm going to risk sounding like a real true homer and just say Mikel Bridges. Just because I, I know his his upside, quote unquote, I, y'all couldn't see the air quotes, but I, I air quoted there. The upside he, that he doesn't have compared to these other guys is that's a, a risk and not one that I'm entirely comfortable taking. If if Mikel, you know, there's rumors now that the Knicks want Mikel Bridges, I believe this utter bullshit, but he'll be there either. He'll either be taken at eight or be there at 10, I believe. If we can get him, he fits with us too perfectly, and he can become exactly the guy we need, so I'll pick Mikel Bridges. How about you, Eric? Well, I'm in agreement there just because there's a consensus that he's the most NBA-ready forward in the draft. He's the most ready to come in and likely play some bench minutes behind Covington. Something that we, we kind of lacked last year when we were running out lineups of Redick and Bellinelli was we were getting beat on defense because we were so small. This is a big-ass dude. This is a grown man. His wingspan is, what, 7'2"? He is a tall man with lanky reach and someone who can play defense, which seemed to be the problem. I know that when we were able to get Bellinelli and Ilyasova, we were able to kind of like – shoot shoot with teams and kind of fire points back and forth but there's times when you have your gu- your guns go to the bench you just need some stops on defense just kind of hold pat and i think that's something that bridges can do more than anyone in this draft well anyone who we're going to be getting at 10 anyway in terms of just playing defense where it's like all right we're up by six ben you sit down for a hot minute jojo you sit down for a hot minute and when you come back we still have that opportunity to be up six versus down six that's what i think this team needs, you know, with the uncertainty of Fultz, you have to progress believing that he is the guy and he is going to return to form. And of course I believe he'll return to form. Why, why would I want to pose that type of negative uh, criticism upon someone who's never had an opportunity to demonstrate his worth. Right. But, but I, I feel like what, what we need at 10 is stability. Someone for someone where, when you have Covington go to the bench, who is an all NBA first team defender, how do we make sure that teams don't make that run on us? Because when we go small ball, Redick, if he signs again, Bellinelli, if he signs again, TJ running point, that's a smaller lineup, and teams were able to expose that. This dude with his 7-2 wingspan can be a stopgap and help this team keep their leads. And I think that's – I don't think, I don't think he'll, he'll be a starter on this team right away, or it, maybe even ever. But to have that, him as a potential sixth man or even the seventh guy off the bench as your primary backup defender – I can live with that with the 10th pick just because that's, I know you don't want to draft based on need, but when you have need and he's likely has a potential to be the best player available at 10, I take him. Same. I feel like, uh, I've, obviously he's a little older, 
than everyone else in the class comparatively to to you know other top ten prospects in in the uh, in you know the list of prospects. Um, but yeah, he's not a one and right, right. But I I also feel like and I I feel like a lot of national publications and maybe this is just the area bias because you know he's a Villanova guy and he was the best player on a championship team. Um, but I feel like his ceiling is higher than people give him credit for now. We don't necessarily need somebody with a high ceiling. I think like you guys mentioned, you know, like just like when Covington's on the bench or just, you know, when we want to throw a really switchable lineup out there, um, I feel like he's the best bet uh, just in terms of being able to contribute immediately to what we want to be, obviously, a contending team, like a playoff team. Um, but I also feel like people are sleeping on his ceiling a bit. Um, and I don't know if you guys feel that same way, but I feel like he has, I wouldn't say like superstar potential, but all-star potential is there with him when I see it. He has all the tools to be one. I think he has potential to challenge Covington for his spot. And and, and with that, I, I believe he's, he's a better pure shooter than Covington. Covington's shooting comes and goes, and he and my – Covington is, of course, an elite defender. Right. But I, I was think, about to say I think, that Covington – I think I think part of that is good for Rocco. You know, Rocco is, you know, a true underdog in Philadelphia, of course, embraces the underdog, an undrafted free agent. He was let go by the Rockets. Hinky, we trust, said, hey, I need this man. Make sure they hold on to Robert Covington. And sure <laughs> enough, we did. And Covington's experienced that success. And rightfully so, he got a very team-friendly contract. They maxed out his salary last year. Now he's with us. I think it's four for 48, which is $12 million a year, which is very reasonable for an all-NBA first-team defender. To ensure that Covington doesn't hit that plateau, to become complacent in his role, he's going to have someone like Bridges who's going to be challenging him for those minutes. Someone who Covington will now be able to be a mentor towards and say, this is how you become an all-NBA first-team defender. And that's that's really the goal if you can draft Bridges with that pick is be like, how do we get this kid to first-team all-rookie? That's what you'd want to see. And you could do that with his defense. Ultimately with him as well, he he can challenge challenge uh roco as long as we have a, a you know a great two but if we saw say we saw on jj for three years a lot of people believe if we if we don't get paul george or lebron or any of those big big money big name free agents we saw him for two or three year about seven to eight mil a year contract that last year he's going to be 36 years old i know we just watched lebron at 33 play like like he was 25 but for the most part 36 year old player is a shell of what he was just three years before that and and that and I'm sure JJ would have no problem. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would mind coming off the bench for a guy like Mikel at six seven with his defense to play the two within, within those three years. At some point in those three years, and I'm sure he'll get someone like that when, if we actually draft him. That would make us. That would have us have the best, probably one of the best wing defensives in the league, along with one of the best defensive centers in the league. And Ben Simmons is one of the best defenders at either guard or forward spots in the league. That that's like there's a lot of uh, we can use that word upside again, even though he doesn't have or he isn't projected to have because, you know, projections are not reality all the time. He's not projected to have the highest ceiling. He could he could be the key to open up our offense and defense so much that we reach our true potential as a team. Uh, one comparison I've, I've seen with him is Trevor Ariza. And if he people keep saying you don't draft Trevor Ariza at 10, but there's not like it's Magic Johnson at, coming at, at 11 or Dirk coming at 12. Right. Do you don't you're not drafting based on theoretical spot uh next to other star players and in the history like, of league. We're like you're post project. We're post project. Like we don't need project players. 
No, yeah, no, we not unless like I would take a guy like Kevin Knox who's probably who looks like a project because he's a project with value now. He's a project that can right. do something now. That, but I don't want uh you know, I don't want like I can't even like Landry Schmidt. Obviously, he's he's way further down in the first round. But I don't want a guy who he's coming in. But I don't really know how much of what he's. I know he's going to be a shooter. I don't know what else he's going to be able to do in the NBA. Whereas Mikel, he's a much like we know he can defend. And we know he has great shoot, shooter potential. Like you said before, his ceiling is a little bit different. Like people, when people think of ceilings, they always think about in a star role. Uh, you know. Robert Ory has seven rings because he was a star role player. If yeah, sure, you don't always want to take that at ten, but when you try to pick up a project, a young guy, you run the risk of draft, drafting another Anthony Bennett. You run the risk of drafting Hashim to beat. You yeah, they look great. All of these, everybody looks great in the draft when they come in. You don't know what you get until you get there. Uh, and I do all that rambling just to say we're taking him is not some far fetched thing to do at ten. Taking a guy like Trevor Reza is not something crazy to do at ten. When the guys next to them are don't look like they project to be superstars either at nine or eleven, any of those guys in the, around that spot. But. There was a rumor today that the Knicks are very interested in Macau if he's still there at nine. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I you got to say that though, if you're the Knicks, because the Sixers have been you know, all <laughs> out saying we want we want the Villanova kid. We want him. We yeah. want him. We want him. And he's been Sixer saying life. he wants to come here. Yeah. Of course, he's from here. What better, what better way to start your NBA career than to be surrounded by your family and your loved ones and your circle? It's a great support system. But of course, if you're the Knicks, you're going to say you want him because you want the Sixers to give you a phone call on draft night and be like, hey, 10, 10 in a second or 10 in a, 10 in, I don't know, a million dollars, you know, cash considerations for the pick. Uh, that's, right. that's, the, that's the Knicks uh, due diligence. Then you have reports that they're looking to potentially move into the top five. My head is swirling with all these rumors that oh, are going there's on so many rumors oh my gosh well i don't think the Kawhi stuff really is rumors i think that stuff is pretty confirmed but uh, i meant more with like the idea of like you know memphis uh trying to shop four yeah. and uh parsons um who's at five um not the kings who's got five uh the mavs the mavs are potentially looking to move up as well maybe do a swap at four for uh because we're trying to see where Luka Doncic, Doncic is going to fall. Is he right. going to go to the Sacramento? Is he going to fall? If he's at four, the Sixers going to make a move for that. There's so many moving parts in play. Right. I, I would want to ask you guys one question. Let's say that Bridges, Mr. Mikhail Bridges, is off the board at 10. Who do you think slips to the Sixers at 10 because of that? Uh, like who will still be available, you mean? Yeah, who would still be available at 10 if Mikael Bridges is off the board? Uh, I would imagine either... I just picture the Knicks taking Trey Young. I don't know. Like, that's just me personally. And I don't want Trey Young on the team. But for me personally, if Mikael Bridges is off the board, then I'm looking at Lonnie Walker or, uh, or Knox, if he's still there. Personally. Yeah, and I... I Rashid, I like what you said, too. Knox seems like a bit more of a project than an NBA-ready talent. Um, I know his defense has been questioned as a little bit suspect, but he's got a so wonderful 
So is Ben Simmons. Ben, ben Simmons' project is his shot. I feel like Ben Simmons can just like put his hands up and scowl at people, and then people are just kind of like backing down at the paint. Because if you're Trey Young and you you're, you got you got Ben Simmons on you, it's just like you're about to get like nephewed, uncled, and fathered like in the same <laughs> in the same possession. But by the way, I think Trey Young's going to be a worse defender than Isaiah Thomas. By the way, just want to throw that out there. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's any real. I mean. I'm sure maybe his effort will be there, like Isaiah Thomas's effort is there, but I don't know. I, I, people, like, it's really weird, and I think it's because they're, I consider them a pro-Boston website, <laughs> but The Ringer was uh, trying to throw hypotheticals and um, are really talking about the possibility of Trey coming here to Philly. I just don't see the fit. I don't know why we would do that personally i just don't see the magic at six passing him i don't see me either, me either. passing him or new york at nine passing him i don't see any of those three passing maybe maybe cleveland says no if lebron says he's gonna opt in but i feel like if you're cleveland you've gotta you gotta swing for the fences because trey young does have that potential yeah the only thing that concerns there. me is just he's I mean, he's a young kid, and obviously, you know, we saw it with Fultz when he came in. He wasn't the most muscular. He was kind of pudgy with a little bit of Chick-fil-A inside of him. Right. Young's a scrawny kid, and you can kind of see what happens when you try to drive against these grown men. You know, the league might have been be a little softer than it is in the 90s, but it'd be like with, like, one of us trying to drive. It's like you got to have the heart and hustle and grind and the durability of, like, a TJ McConnell if you want to get to the paint against these NBA defenders. Mm-hmm. So – Staying on that, on the topic of the draft, uh, like uh, you had mentioned earlier, Eric, so there have been rumors, uh, leaks from the team and just, you know, from other reputable sources such as Woj, uh, the Sixers apparently are looking to combine picks, not any players, but combine picks to move up into the top five of the draft. Now, what I took that as is if Doncic is still there at four, then they want to make a move for him, which is what I would assume. Because that's the only player I really see that would make sense when you're looking at the top five between, uh, well, my top five is like Aiton, Doncic, uh, Bagley, uh, uh, what's his name? Mobamba and uh, uh, Jerry Either Jackson. Carter or Jackson. Yeah, either Carter or Jackson. Um I would imagine that the only player that makes sense there is Doncic. So uh, one of the ideas that were spitballed out there is, okay, so you have to take on the Parsons contract, which essentially would be like, hey, we're not, like LeBron's not coming here, Kawhi's not coming here, PG isn't signing. Well, I guess Kawhi could still come here at the trade, but PG isn't coming here, LeBron isn't coming here. We're going to roll with Doncic, Fultz, Ben, and Joe to lead us to lead us, you know, to, to contention um, for the time being. Um, how would you guys feel about that? So if it was the 10th pick, the 26th pick, uh, whatever, like maybe like a protected future first, um, for the fourth pick and you'd have to take on Parsons contract. Uh, I, I'll start with you, Rashid. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm, I, you see, I'm struggling here. I'm not even sure exactly only because, yeah, I, I trust that our guys can develop in such a way that they can kind of get there organically but when you have we are one of the most flexible teams in the league right now still we have if you know doing a little bit of math we can free up uh, a whole max cap space for a whole great player right Chandler Parsons I, I know his contract is atrocious we know that 
I know Luca would be great, for, or I feel like he would be great for us, but foregoing the opportunity, not just, you know, it's not guaranteed that we sign Paul George and LeBron, but foregoing even the opportunity to possibly get them to get a rookie doesn't make too much sense to me. But at the same time, if Luca turns out the way I think he will, because I think his uh, concerns about his athleticism are a little bit overblown, if he turns out the way I think he will, that immediately would make us a, gr- a really great team who yeah. would be contending for the Eastern Conference Finals. Whereas Paul George makes and he us would to be cost-controlled. It would be cost-controlled talent. Yeah, and we would need that because right after Parsons' contract is up, we have to extend Ben Simmons. And right after that, we – no, actually before that, I believe we got to deal with Dario's contract. All, like, we're going to be so capped out. It's not even going to, like, we're not going to have any flexibility. We're not going to be able to move anybody for anything unless somebody else decides to take on Parsons' contract, unless we stretch them. But I really, I really hate stretching players with huge contracts. I really, I don't like it because it, it, it still locks you up. It just locks you up a little bit less. Right. So, so if so, we were to stretch him, it would be, essentially, it would just be like an extension of Bayless's contract. It'd be like $9 million yeah. for like five years. Yeah, exactly. Uh and but keep it, in mind, by the way, Parsons is, due, uh, Parsons is due 50 million over the next two years. He's getting 24 and 25. This isn't a Jared Bayless three for 27 that I vehemently like shit talk on a daily podcast with you guys. This is like, <laughs> like Jared Bayless got 27 mil over three years. Parsons gets 24 million over next year. That is a lot of cheddar for like for a white Jared Bayless. That's that's not it's not going to really help help us out too much. You know, so no, it wouldn't at all. It would be so we would be still. taking we'd be taking on that contract, and obviously the like you had mentioned, Rashid. So we could stretch it if we want, but like I said, that would just be an extension of Bayless's contract situation where we're trying to offload him because of that extra nine million. This would be so now we'd have to get rid of Bayless because we definitely need that nine million. But if we had Parsons' contract and we stretch it, it would be like essentially we just took Bayless and we're like, hey, we're resigning you for another five years. So Parsons wouldn't be on the team, but we would just be stretching. We'd still have to pay his contract over the course of instead of two years, it'd be over the course of five. Um, now, personally, I now I believe that Doncic is going to be great. I believe that he's going to be a star. Like I think his ceiling is amazing. I think just what he's been able to accomplish over where he is and do it for as long as he did. He's essentially played like eighty-two games uh, up until this point. Um, if you count like the Olympics and or, or no, what what's it called, EuroBasket and everything. Um, that he did last summer and then the season up until now, like I think he's going to be great, but I feel like Doncic is at his best when the hand, when the ball is in his hands. Like I think he's just a six, eight point guard and we already have a six, 10 point guard. And uh, I believe that within our offense, like it was just faults. Like we just needed Washington faults. And like, there was that type of hole in the offense. And as much as you know, it's always great to have multiple creators on the floor. You can never have enough as Mike D'Antoni said, and he proved it, obviously, with how well Houston was offensively. What, what was it? One of the greatest offensive teams of all time, statistically. Um, seven seconds or less. Yep. And uh, and I just, I just don't think that the team reaches its – they could, depending on how his shot is, but I don't think use, getting Doncic is using Markel or Ben or Luka – uh, at 100% efficiency, if that makes any sense. It also seems like it's too expensive. It's, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, obviously Memphis is going to say, look, it's not negotiable. If you want four, you're taking Parsons. I don't blame them. 
because they could they could be taking someone like Luca or potentially like the future behind Gasol. So I, I understand I understand why they're why they're saying that. It might just be too expensive for us because, like Rashid says, we want to have that max cap space. Even if we miss out on LeBron on PG, that means and what the Sixers have said all along is, look, we're going to stand pat. We're going to try and get JJ on a team friendly deal. And then we're going to try and make moves in 2019 for the free agent class. Maybe we'll, maybe like New Jersey can finally legalize marijuana and Clay Thompson can sign with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking but, of the Nets, they, that crazy trade that they did today. I don't know. I guess Charlotte is blowing it up, right? Yeah. Um, Dwight Howard's con- Dwight Howard's a locker room cancer. He has been since Orlando. I forget who on the Hawks said it, but like Dwight Howard only plays against, well, against his former teammates. I think they're basically going to turn Dwight Howard into a wall dang. Just be like, you know what? We're actually trying to do something. We're in Brooklyn and we have more picks than the Celtics for the first time since 2010. We're trying <laughs> to build something here. And, and Dwight Howard, you're, you put up great stats, but somehow Charlotte's uh, defensive efficiency went from like, I think it was like 12th to 14th. Yet they had added Dwight Howard and he had all those rebounds. Dwight Howard plays to block the ball. He doesn't play team defense. And you can you can find all sorts of videos of Dwight Howard just dogging it on both sides. And like one one thing doesn't go his way and he puts his head down and he starts crying. So Hassan White's out in a few years. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a shame, man, because the talent is there. But anyways, uh, also, so I just – I do you guys see – uh, Lloyd Pierce and Atlanta passing on Doncic at three. I don't see it personally. I don't see Doncic falling past three, honestly. Now, I can kind of see where the, the Hawks might want to go. As good as Doncic is going to be, he's like, I think Lloyd, he's going to be very focused on defense, and Doncic is not going to be. I don't think he's going to so be. So you think defense. he goes he Jackson? Might be, might be passing. He might. Jaron Jackson would be, he's the safest pick, I feel like. Luca has boom or bust potential, you know, as people always say, he could be the next big star. He could also be the next European player who was great over there, and for whatever reason, it did not translate to the league. Whereas Jan Jackson, he's supposed to be great on defense, he's supposed to be a very good shooter, and he's supposed to be able to handle the ball just enough for a big, for a center at least, to get by. And he fits perfectly next to... And he's really long. Uh, yeah, he, he, like, he, he ticks all the boxes, and he's American, that always helps. Uh, he ticks all the boxes that people look for, GMs especially look for. Now, that being said, I'm still not entirely convinced that the Kings are going to pass on Luka Doncic. I know they're you the think Kings, it's a smokescreen? I, I think they're bullshitting. I, I think they're just talking about their ass, trying to get something from somebody. Because I don't see, excuse me, I don't see, especially when you have one of the greatest, a great European player with you on the team. I don't see how they look at that, look at Luka versus anybody else, especially Marvin Bagley who I'm not very high on, if you can't tell. Uh, I don't see how you pass on Luka for Marvin Bagley. You pass on a guy who can do everything just about on the court for a guy whose real skill is that he's super-duper athletic. That's it. He's not a great That backcourt, too, with um, with Doncic and uh, and De'Aaron Fox would, would likely make an eight seed in the East. Not in the West. The West is its own different it. breed. But, but that, would, that would be a fun team to watch. Yeah, Willie Colstein, De'Aaron Fox, Luka Doncic. Um, but also the, the Kings are just a dumb organization. So I, I don't know, I, <laughs> like it could go either way with them, but yeah, if they got, if they got Doncic, which I believe they should take him, um, that would be pretty nice. I, I also feel like Bagley's kind of like, a 
how would you describe it? Kind of like DeMarcus Cousins, kind of like a good stats, bad team kind of guy. He reeks of good stats, bad team. But he can definitely score. I'm not even gonna hold him. He can he can definitely score. Um, okay, so in college, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what do you guys think of Michael Porter Jr.? If he was still there, would you take a chance on him at ten? No. Get away, get away, no. get away, get away, get away. No, I, don't, I don't want him. I don't like him either. <laughs> it's just it's just the uncertainty of his health. Um, I know that Embiid was able to work hard and rehabilitate, but he's the outlier. And Embiid is the outlier in that regard. And it's just there are safer picks to make. And like Rashid said, like we've been saying all along, this isn't a team that's looking to build for the future. And to have someone like an Embiid sit for two seasons and then take, you know, like 20 games in the third, you want somebody to plug in right now, maybe not start, but be an overall contributor. And there, there's talk about this guy not being in the league in five years. You know, he's one, he's one disc away from just not being able to play basketball anymore. And we all know about the shelf life of bigs. It's like organic milk. When you don't put the preservatives in there, it doesn't last as long. And that's something that concerns me. It really does. I feel like there's safer picks to make it 10. I also don't think he'll be, I, I think he'll be taken off the board. Um, may, maybe someone like the Bulls at seven, maybe, maybe Dallas at five, but I think Dallas wants to go in the Bamba direction. I, I don't think he'll be there, but even if he is, I say no thank you. I feel bad for the guy because I, I feel like without that back injury, he, well, one, he shot himself in the foot. Playing, playing even a minute in college. He really should have just left that alone. Yeah, he should and either not have came played. back the next year or just went into the draft. But that injury, I'm, I don't want it. I've been a Sixers fan like my entire life as a basketball guy. I've been into the Sixers. I don't want any more back problem guys. And Jubinum had, had health problems. We know I don't even have to list the rest of the guys who we've had since then who have, who have had health problems. Uh, like in our, in our case, and B worked out. Daryl's Noel, I don't think his is because of injuries, but he does not look like he's going to work out. Uh, Jaleel Okafor might not be in the league in two years if he can't improve on the things he can't do now. We, we took our chances, kind of, and they didn't work. I'm not really keen on doing that again, especially if Mikel and Kevin Knox are there. If, if something crazy happens and we end up where all, all the guys who fit us, Lonnie Walker, Mikel Bridges, Kevin Knox, even Miles Bridges, if all of them are gone somehow and he's available, maybe you look into it. But more than likely, I would trade that. I would I would trade that pick if none of those guys are available. I would try to get something better. But I don't, I don't know. I don't. I really don't want him. I don't want him at all. He's my type of player. He's exactly. He plays exactly the style that I like from from small forwards, uh, combo forwards. I want somebody who can score. I also want somebody who's backwards. Yeah, so, I, th- I think Chicago's probably. I think Chicago is probably taking their chance on Michael Porter. And that's a great that's a great place for him to go, I think, because they are devoid of anything not named Zach Levine as far as I'm concerned. Chris Dunn performed well early in the season, but really Yeah, they got to be Yeah, like the you could have Lowry and Levine and Porter. Uh you know, I forgot about Lowry Marketing. I totally forgot about that's a nice little young core to have. Yeah, and I like Lowry. I like Lowry a lot actually. Yeah, he's cool. Um there's teams at different points in their process yeah. who should be taking that risk. We're not right. at the point where we need to take a risk on a project or to have someone like an Embiid sit for two years. We are in win now. The Warriors have shown that they're vulnerable, and we, I, I believe that the healthy Rockets beat the Warriors this year. I do. 
I really do. Uh, by the <laughs> way, that, I wanted to comment on something you said. Sorry, uh, I wanted to comment on something Eddie said earlier before I forget. Uh, you need a lot of playmakers on, t- on a team. You need a lot of experienced playmakers as well. Young playmakers don't work well together as far as I'm concerned. Just wanted to put that out there. Uh, yeah, and the one point I wanted to make is that the Sixers window is beginning to open up as well, and they need to make moves that put them in positions to win now, not projects for the future. That's that's what the second round is for. That's when we get our Euro stashes, and then we get someone like Jonah Bolden who's going to come over, and we'll yes. get to take a nice look at him. But I, I do want to take a look at like pick 26. Uh, there's been a few a uh, few um, mocks that have us taking another Villanova kid by the name of Jalen Brunson. What do you guys think of Mr. Brunson? Uh, I think he'll be available like early in the first round. I don't know if he'll be available at 38, but I think he'll be available early in the first round. Uh, so yeah. early in the second round rather. I do. I do want him if we can get him. I don't know if I want him at 26 though. Okay. So, wait, so uh, the Celtics pick right after us, right? At 27, yeah. Aren't they, like, dead set on Grayson Allen? Hey, that's, like, such a perfect matchup. I know. Get, like, I just wanted to say this, that. It's, like, such a perfect this, matchup. <laughs> this this preppy douchebag who, who's a good leader, but he, he like, just, just makes boneheaded, dirty plays. And, like, you can literally, when you type Grayson Allen into YouTube, the first thing that comes up is his dirty plays. Then you have the Boston Celtics, and they're just like they're 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 leprechaun Irish like Brad Stevens like who goes bowling after church on Sundays. It's such a perfect matchup, and you know something, it, it it's gonna work out so great for them, and that pisses me off so much. Like watch Grace now and like make an All Star team with Brad Stevens. Oh my God, <laughs> he's somebody. Allen's somebody who always thrives with good coaching. He, le- he learned with Coach K for four years, and Brad Stevens is I, – I, I say this every time. He's a genius. He really is. I, I think no one can maximize Grayson Allen's potential and hide his weaknesses better than Brad Stevens. Uh, so at 26, um, this may be like an out-there pick. I really like uh, – how, how do you even pronounce his name? Um, he's from – he's from France, I think. Uh uh, Elio Kobo. Elio Kobo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like him. I like his game. I, I think uh, he's not going to be there at twenty six. You don't think think. Gonna there at 20, don't, so <laughs> think he's going to be there at twenty? I don't. I didn't think so either. But just like if he's there, if he's there, yeah. I would like Elio Kobo. But um, but yeah, that's really the only person I was really looking at. I I guess Brunson would be good. Uh, I guess what? So how many minutes would he be getting? I think he's the uh, future TJ McConnell replacement. Not not the same skill set, but this is the last year of McConnell's contract, and sometimes you just have to let your beautiful butterflies fly away. I think someone like a Charlotte, like a Memphis, like a who else isn't that good? Oh, um, if you went to Memphis, oh my goodness! If you went to Memphis, he would thrive. They would love him there. Uh, it's just he, you you know he, he has the potential to start somewhere to get more minutes uh, than the Sixers, and someone's going to want to offer him a contract, maybe like five, six, six million a year. Not quite a Bayless, but but something around those numbers. And I wouldn't fault him for taking it. I would applaud him every single time. But I think this team needs to look past T.J. McConnell, not because I don't want T.J. McConnell to be a lifelong Sixer. I do. I talk about how much I love Mr. McConnell on a daily podcast. But he, I think he's outgrowing his role on this team and he's outgrowing his contract. And the Sixers may say it's, it was like, um, you got to prioritize. Uh, 
like Tiago Splitter, I think it was on the Spurs, where he like went and got offered a contract elsewhere, and Popovich was just like, "Good for you, see ya." It was Boban. Yeah, same with Boban. We're 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 gonna see that with TJ. Someone's gonna offer him like six, seven million, or for, uh, maybe maybe it'll be like three twenty five or something, and we're just gonna say, you know what, TJ, we're gonna miss you, man. Maybe maybe not a statue. Maybe won't require uh, retire number twelve, but he'll get a standing he'll, out. He when will he comes be a back. process legend. And I think when Ben's sitting down um, to work with Markel Fultz running point would be something um, where we could have uh, Jalen Brunson uh, kind of develop into that role to learn with the scrappiness of TJ because Brunson's defense isn't quite there. I think I think that could be a little bit of a project. Uh, it's, I think it's okay to take something. I, you don't have true NBA-ready talent available at the end of the first round, but someone who could provide that spark off the bench, he can shoot lights out. He's a little streaky, but he can shoot lights out and he can move the ball. And that's something that's very important in Brett Brown's office. We led the league in passes. We led the league in turnovers. But we move the ball. And Brunson's someone who knows when to shoot and he knows when to make the right pass. That, that, that's why I, I'm kind of big on him. Rashid, I know you're saying you think he might be available in the second round, which I think is interesting. But I, I think that'd be an okay pick at 26. Again, he, I know he went to high school in Chicago. I think he was from Cherry Hill. I know he was born in New Brunswick, and then he like came down to Cherry Hill before ultimately going out to Chicago, and then obviously coming back to Villanova for school. So I, I, I just like local kids, man. I, I, I'm a homeboy, and <laughs> I and when when it's there, it's like you know what? Why not? Why not? I feel that. Um, that's why I want Mikhail so bad. But uh, transitioning, so. Last time that we spoke to you guys, the audience, uh, the Kawhi Leonard rumors were popping up. He wasn't happy in San Antonio. Obviously, this has just been, you know, reported here and there. Leaks from Kawhi's camp throughout the whole season. Um, within the past two weeks, it has gotten super intense uh, with entire leaks from Kawhi's camp, who, let me just add, by the way, uh, before you guys go in, is handling this awfully. Like, Kawhi looks like such a jerk in this situation. But anyways, there's been leaks about Kawhi's camp saying he doesn't want to be here anymore, that if he that if any team that is potentially wanting to trade for him, he will inform them that he, uh, once his contract is up at the end of next season, he will leave uh, to go sign and play for the Lakers. Uh, and we're just kind of in the middle of this like shit storm with it. Uh, it was reported last night by Woj and Shams that Kawhi and Pop had a meeting uh, last night. And uh, take this with a grain of salt because he did leak a bunch of he did get a bunch of news right. But he's also gotten a lot wrong. Uh, Stephen A. Smith reported that uh, his sources were saying Kawhi looked Pop in the face and was just like, hey, so I don't want to be here. Um, with these rumors popping up, where, I'll start with you, Eric, where do the Sixers fall into this? Like, how does this help or hurt the Sixers' chances of possibly trading for one Kawhi Leonard? I did call this, by the way. You guys are like, nah, he's fine. He's gonna sign. That's totally true. Pack. I gotta hand that to you. You definitely did. You definitely did. Yeah, I thought you, there was I, no way no, he wasn't gonna sign no. that extension. What What do I think? He if he if what he's saying is true and he intends to go to Los Angeles, and the Spurs obviously don't want to deal into Los Angeles, let alone the West. That basically leaves us and the Celtics with enough assets to make a move, and. I, I take the approach to take it or leave it because, you know, Danny Ainge is a snake. He's, he's going to offer some low ball of like Aaron Baines, like, 
you know, like some seafood from Boston and then like they're, they're protected second or something like that. I, I say make a conservative offer. Uh, and Brett Brown needs to have a face to face with Kawhi and say, are you going to be here as a one year or are you going to be, or, and are you in fact going to Los Angeles or do you want to stick with us long term? I don't want to sell the farm for one year because I, I, well, I think a healthy Kawhi puts this over the edge. No one truly knows how healthy his quad is. And yeah, I've, yeah, you know, nobody reading, knows. Reading, a lot, reading a lot about like the medical condition about like how his quad injury is dynamic. Sometimes, you know, the pain threshold is okay. Sometimes it's not. He was cleared by doctors. He was cleared by an independent physician only until he saw his own doctors was he found in fact to not be cleared to play or based on, you know, you know, the Kawhi physicians. I, I, I need them. I need the man to open his mouth. I, I, I just, I have a lot of trouble trusting him right now. And with that, I don't want to give up a lot of assets for what essence could be. I don't want to call him an Andrew Bynum, but it could be the same concept. You know, you trade the farm for him and then he just doesn't play for the year. And then he just leaves. What's the point of that? especially if he wants to go home to Los Angeles. I'm hesitant. Brett knows him well from his time in San Antonio, but there needs to be more clarity. And of course, Kawhi. Yeah, who's he, to say that he, Pop that Pop isn't talking to Brett and saying, just don't do it. Don't just get, yeah. get far away from here. Don't deal with him. Don't do this. Like, you know. That may be, the, that may, that may be a real style that he's doing there. It may be that the Sixers offer something, I don't, what would you offer at that point? Now, now, Darius, I'm, I'm, I'm not, yeah, now I'm not Fultz offering anything of significance. I'm going to say Fultz. something crazy here, y'all. They're not full. I don't want Covington, you don't want him at all. I don't want him. I don't want him because part of dealing with a player is dealing with their representation and what keeps, what keeps guys, you know, uh, Rob Lincoln, I'll tell you this with Lincoln, what keeps you in good relation with players, with teams rather, is dealing with them a lot. Having other clients, it's, like uh, for Clutch Sports, they have a whole bunch of clients. They're not going to do anything to one team that could bite them in the ass later. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's uncle doesn't give a damn about any of that. He has nothing tethering him to the league other than his nephew. All, he, could, he could come in, oh, yeah, we'll sign back. We'll be here. We'll be here. Next season, he, he's gone. And nothing we can do about it. We're out of the assets. We're out of everything. I like the flexibility that we have, and I would love to have Kawhi Leonard in any other situation. This is, we have had enough weird with Markel Fultz. We don't need any more weird. We don't need any more, uh, I was clear, but I'm not really healthy. We don't need, I'll say, my representation will say one thing and we'll do another. We don't need any of those types of situations. Unless, unless you know, Brett's going to have a lot more information than any of us are. Unless he gets, like, somebody tells him, yeah, you can deal with him, he'll more than likely keep his word. I really don't want to take that type of chance when, uh, we like Paul George is available probably this year. LeBron is probably available. We could get Clay Thompson, a bunch of guys who I think out of those, obviously LeBron is the best, and I think Kawhi is right after that. But if I'm not sure that he's going to be here, he could be the he could be the next Michael Jordan if he's not on the court for longer than a year with us. Not much is. I don't want to give up much of any. Yeah, I don't. I don't even want to give up much of anything, and especially if his heart is so set on going to LA. LA. Then like just go, just like yeah, yeah like uh, I don't, I don't, I hope the Sixers don't offer anything of significance to him. I wouldn't at this point. Um, I know it was a pretty hot topic. I don't know if you guys were on our Sixers lately. It's been a pretty. There's been like two type of clans. It's like so. There's like the keep Markel Fultz clan, and it's like no, like 
get rid of him already. Like that group. <laughs> um, and I, I believe in Markel, but just like, I know a lot of national media spitballing ideas about Markel being included in Kawhi talks. And I think at this point with the reports that have come out now, I, I don't see it, it happening. I also didn't think the Sixers were going to trade him in the first place. Honestly, like if gun to my head, um, I don't think Brett Brown talks about faults like he does and as much as he does if he doesn't actually have them in his plans. You know what I mean? What about this? Covington, 26 and two seconds. Would you do it? For Kawhi? For Kawhi. For what? No, for, no contract for extension. Kawhi. No promise of no. an extension. Oh, no. no promise of an extension. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Oh, throw in, throw in Bayless in there, too, because Bayless sucks and I hate him. Uh, now you're talking. Oh, okay. Well, uh, and then we can get LeBron to come sign here. LeBron, I feel like LeBron, if we did trade for Kawhi and we didn't lose, like, Fultz or Dario or anything, if we got Kawhi, for, even if it is for the one year, I, that exponentially, in my opinion, increases our chance of getting LeBron, right? Well, actually, the money doesn't work out as well without getting rid of Markel and Rocco. And Dario. Otherwise, we only have space to sign like one and a half stars. So is it that tight on the cap? Because I think combined, no. Dario and Markell are making like seven million. Is it that tight? Uh, so because, no, Markell's making like eight million. I think. Right. Is that LeBron, what it is? LeBron is signing. He's not signing for less than thirty million. Yeah, right. I don't right. think he's he signing. Wants like, I know max. he's the build the build the super team guy, but he's also the blind my pockets guy. He's not signing less than thirty million. And I think we have twenty twenty four or something. I, I could be totally off base, but I'm pretty sure the money does not add up. Where if we get Kawhi for just Robert Covington, I don't think that's enough to give us thirty million in cap. Oh, Robert Covington and uh, Jared Bailey. I don't think that's enough to give us thirty million. I think that gives us twenty four again. That leaves us around the same spot. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's not the deal. Maybe, I just don't, maybe, I don't maybe you're right. That whole maybe, situation maybe you seems should move toxic. on just because the cap doesn't work. The whole situation just seems toxic. Uh, personally, I just want to, you know, go for who's available in free agency. If that doesn't work out, then we just run it back, give Markel an actual healthy year, and then we see who's available in 2019. And even then, Kawhi will still technically be available in 2019. Exactly. So we got a whole another run at him. <laughs> um, if it if it really got that serious. Uh, so that's that on Kawhi. Any other uh, rumors about the team that have been discussed? Uh, oh, we picked up Rashawn's option. I pretty much figured that would happen. Um, and TJ's obviously. TJ, TJ, TJ. Those were pretty much no brainers. Uh, for Holmes, more so just you know to have a piece to move. I would imagine just for like salary purposes. Um, although their salary doesn't really move the needle that much, but one thing I want to point out with Clay Thompson too, you'll be—I know Golden State's going to try and make some. Uh, they're going to want to give uh, Durant his contract. I don't think Durant's going to take a team-friendly deal a second go round. Yeah, no, he's. Clay Thompson has been. Clay's been in the year for uh, in the league for seven years. I think you have to be in the league for eight years to sign a no-trade uh, clause contract. So they're going to try and extend him. But Clay may say no. He's like, I'm not taking a team-friendly deal unless there's a no-trade contract involved. Because a couple years down the road, Clay on a very valuable contract could become the most valuable trade piece if something happens to like a Draymond or if Steph's ankles turn to glass or if Durant goes and snakes his way to whoever finally dethrones Golden State in his next next chapter. 
But that's just something I think is going to be very interesting watching with Clay. I don't think he signs an extension this offseason because he wants a no-trade clause. That's a good point. I didn't even think that he could probably ask for the no-trade clause. That's a very good point. Um, man, I kind of want Clay to stay there because just like Clay is like just like a Bay Area legend at this point, I feel like. But I also would like to see Clay as uh, a number two or number three. Well, I guess he's a number two three scorer already but like as a number two or number one guy on a team i just would like to see it i just would want to know what he's capable of personally um but moving along uh so something that we've been meaning to do uh, guys as guys i'm talking to you the audience that we should have done back in like two months ago uh were the end of season feelings now uh if you go back on the previous podcast, there's a really depressing podcast between me and Eric when the Sixers uh, were finally eliminated. It was really depressing, but we never gave our full thoughts on everything. Um, Rashid, I'll start with you because you weren't there. Uh, we'll start. We'll break it down into different things. Uh, first, we'll start with the coach. How do you feel Brett Brown did uh, this past season? He got. I'm gonna give him a letter grade. He got a B for me for that postseason. Uh, first time there as a as a head coach, really. Uh, made made a couple, maybe I'm gonna say three mistakes that I didn't agree with. Justin Anderson should have played at some point. He was the especially after it looked like we were really about to get whooped by the Celtics. He should have played. Markel should have played. And actually, you know, I would just I'm gonna break them too. Because that third one was that timeout that he didn't call, that everybody was up in arms about. But he's trying to cultivate. He's not just thinking about that postseason. Yeah, he wanted to win the game, but he's cultivating habits as well. If a lot of times with rookies, the reason why they don't pan out is because every time they make a mistake, they get pulled out the game. They never really learn from the mistake. That's not to say that he couldn't have done it and saved the game, but I think he's trying to cultivate good habits for the team. And a good habit, and Pop will tell you this, you fucked it up, you fix it, pretty much. If you not hitting shots, figure out a way to be effective. And you, Pop does that with his guys all the time. You, you'll see, they'll talk to him after a very bad uh, quarter or something, and he'll just be telling you pretty much they fucked up and they should have fixed it. And here's how they could have fixed it. But I think he did great, and until he proves otherwise, he's our guy in terms of coaching. I don't think there's a better coach out there that's available. All the coaches that are around, they're talking to people about head coaching jobs, they're a lead assistant somewhere, hoping to become a, a head coach soon. I don't think any of them are interested in, you know, replacing him. And also, when a guy sticks with you, when you have G League players and people who are as good as me at basketball on your team for years, and you stick around, people still respect you, players still listen to you, you still have the locker room. You got to reward that because that means something. You have something that a lot of coaches don't have. Yeah. So I give him yeah. a B. How about you, Eric? I'd give him an A. He exceeded expectations this year. I know that when the Celtics kind of got injured with Hayward, with Kyrie, we saw an opportunity to sneak into the Eastern Conference Finals. But what was everyone's expectations? Maybe finish a little bit above 500, maybe the 7, the 8 seed. Try to, try to sneak your way into a series and avoid LeBron round one. The Sixers really played a physical, tough series against the Miami Heat. And 
what would you expect from a young team like that? You expect them to push around, you expect them to like start shoving to get frustrated. And it's just the culture that Brett Brown set with Simmons, with Embiid, uh, just these mentally tough individuals to not fall into the trap. When you're, when you're an inferior team like Miami, what are you going to try and do? You're going to try and push buttons and get under people's skin. You're going to be a thug like James Johnson. He's probably going to come after me because I call him a thug. And you're going to have like meth Curry with like Tyler Johnson, just like shoving around. It's he, he really instilled a, a culture and a culture that respects not, not just players, but I said this before, he respects them as men. He, he's, he's somebody who cares for the players. And I remember after the, uh, the Miami series, he got drenched in chocolate milk. He's got like, we have so much to give and grow or grow and give or whatever he said it. And he's right. He's really right. Just like with Markel Fultz next year, where this is his true analysis. Now we get to take a look at Brett Brown next year. It's like, all right, we know you're a pass-heavy offense and there's going to be turnovers, but how do you minimize mistakes? How do you minimize mistakes against teams like LeBron or Boston who are, who are going to capitalize on that? I give, I give him an A this year. And it, it's, kind of, it's kind of like you know the first test of the year where, where it's like a lot of review and it's a lot of stuff you already knew. Next year, it's going to be a bit more strict on the criterion because it's like, all right, Brett, we know you can get there. We know that you've set up this culture. We know that you have the talent around you to coach your way towards the second round again, but how do you elevate your team? How do you elevate your young players into the Eastern conference finals, which is where I think the Sixers could very well end up next year. But for this year, he absolutely gets an A because he exceeded all expectations. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably, I'd probably give him an A too at the end of the day, but as a team, we exceeded expectations. So I feel like he did what he was supposed to. Um, he didn't royally fuck anything up. Uh, and it was his first go around in the playoffs too, just like the rest of our boys. So, um, yeah, we'll see this upcoming season. Uh, so moving on from Brett. Well, one more thing with that. We started Jared fucking Bayless to start the season and we made Eastern conference semifinals. We did that fucking Elmer footed fuck started for us. (laughs) And we were the top win, the top eight teams in the league. That's, that's impressive. I don't like Jared Bayless. Get, get him out of here. I do like booing him at Sixers games, though. Even if he's not playing, I'm just like, if you ever hear someone saying, hey, Bayless, that's me. I feel you. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, we won't spend a lot, a lot of time on the on the grades, so we'll, I'll just try to like group them together. But these two in particular obviously should have their, their own grades. How would you guys grade Joel's first uh, full healthy season relatively uh, um, Eric, I'll start with you this time. Uh, B plus. Um, there, there's things you're going to see with Embiid. Um, you know, he's going to take four to six three-pointers a game. He's obviously a defensive monster. He is obviously one-on-one. No one can touch him. He's like, I don't have the analogy for it. I'll just say that he, he's he, the only person who can stop Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. I mean that with the style, the style he plays, he is prone oh. to turnovers. And also the fact that, you know, he has shown that he's a risk for injury. You know, it was great to see him healthy this year. You know, he had a little bit of a, what was it, a back problem? Uh, something, uh, some reason I missed seeing him in New Orleans in December. He was out for a few games. And then obviously that fluke incident with Markel that's obviously since healed. What he needs to work on to get to that A level is protecting the basketball. You know, not televising the pass that you're going to be making and also also, I, it's really it really comes down to making the smart decision. 
You know, he kind of does this thing where he has his hands up in the air, kind of moving the ball around. It's almost like he wants to do the shimmy shimmy yaw, like with the ball through the legs. It's like, dude, just make make the clean pass or body somebody up. You have the probably probably the best talent in terms of like your overall body in the league. Just just stay composed, man. Stay composed, and you're going to be a top five, if not a top three player in this league next year. How about you, Rashid? I'm going to give him an A minus. You know, when you, we had that short sample last season. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I know it was around 30, 30 something games. Uh, When you have a small sample like that, you're going to see if he's really good, you're going to see most of that really good when people are not expecting what he, what his, you know, brand of basketball is. They don't really know what to expect from him or what he, what he's going to do. I I anticipated that this season we would see mistake. We would see issue. Because last season, really, I the only flaw I saw was I wanted him to get more rebounds, and I wanted him to be more healthy. He fixed both of those issues, and, and but now arose a bunch of other ones. Like the turn, we knew he was going to be a little bit of a turnover machine, though. But the turnovers, like you said, you know, he really needs to he really needs to work on that like a lot. That's probably the biggest issue because even when he's not on on offense, and this is something I love. This is part of the reason why I'm giving him that A minus. He even when he wasn't on, he made it work. He got to the line. He made a few very important shots. He missed a few as well, but he, he made more than he missed, I believe. Uh, he just he affirmed everything I thought about him, pretty much all the positive things I thought about him and some of the negatives. The, the turnover thing is something that I, that's not something that's going to be fixed by next year or the year after that or the year after that probably. He's gonna, that's something you continue to work at your whole career. Uh, in year eight or nine, it'll be when he'll probably, probably be best at protecting the ball. Later, way later in his career, but for now, everything I see, the shot wasn't the three shot wasn't dropping. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of threes from centers that much. Like, if you are open, be able to take them, but they shouldn't be your most of your offense. But other than just those two things, the turnovers and the, the, some of those missed shots, he's been as good as I anticipated, if not better. So, yeah, I, I give him that. He might. I'm, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt just because. I figured it would be a little bit more difficult to be the guy he was when you play more minutes and are on the floor as much as he was. Yeah, and it was really his first full season of that ever, yep. like in his life of, of playing that of playing that much basketball. I think obviously he's only going to get better, in my opinion. Um, and if Markel's shoulder doesn't break his face, uh, then he would have played over seventy games. And I think that his Twitter game gets an A plus for sure. Yeah, like that's that's without question. Yeah, the Twitter game gets an A plus for sure. Uh, I got to give him an A as well. I, I just think he, you know, uh, I don't think anybody expected him to do as much as he did. No, I, I, it was crazy that he like started the All Star game. Would have been MVP if Steph's team won. Um, it's just it was a crazy year, and he he had so many fun plays. Uh, that dunk on Westbrook. Clutch three versus the Knicks on Christmas, uh, dominating oh, LA, the LA two step he did uh, against the Clippers and the Lakers. Defensive player of the year, by the way. Yeah, almost getting Defensive Player of the Year. Really, really close. What was it? Uh, All NBA second team as well, All avoiding NBA the absolute team. super ultra mega max contract yeah, instead getting exactly. just like a super super max. So he really helped us out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, one word with Embiid that's gonna gonna come down to for uh, him next year, discipline. Discipline is the word, and and if he can show discipline with the basketball, this this guy is the fucking roof for this guy. Ceiling, you get the idea. He, he's gonna yeah. be awesome. 
The ceiling is the roof. That is true. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, so moving on from Joe, obviously the next cornerstone that we will evaluate is Ben Simmons. Uh, Rasheen, how did you feel Ben did? Uh, he was, I was not the biggest Ben Simmons guy. You know, I'm not, even though as much as I follow the draft, there's a reason why I'm not a scout, but I was not sure about his defense. I wasn't, I knew his playmaking was going to be fine. I wasn't sure about his scoring. He came in in game one. I was like, I was wrong. I was hundred percent wrong. He's going to be great already. And he just, he was that every game, just about throughout the regular season and most of the games in the, in the uh, playoffs. But, uh, I'm going to give him an A. I'm going to give him an A plus because he was more – he was what he was supposed to be, what he was touted as being, and some. That defense was not – he was not supposed to be one of the better defenders in the league already. That was not supposed to happen at all. He was a better scorer. You know, people were projecting 12 to 13 points. Uh, two points doesn't sound like a whole lot, but that's a huge statistical difference. That, that could be the difference between a star and a role player sometimes. Like, it, it's, that, it's that important. Uh, and then – being able to, he leads our offense, like by himself typically, unless TJ's out there with him. He leads the entire offense. A rookie, first of all, a rookie's doing that is typically doesn't work out well. We made the playoffs with him doing that. Uh, a six ten point guard, uh, we have not seen that. Like really, we, LeBron six eight as a small four. You know, he's the lead ball handler, but he's really a small four. Magic Johnson was six nine, but this this guy mixed with this athleticism, we have not seen this often if at all. He just was perfect for me, Once, especially in the regular season. He was everything I needed him to be and some. Uh, only thing that gave me a little bit of pause was that playoff game. One point in a playoff game, one, it's never going to happen again. I don't think he's ever going to score less than four points ever again in a playoff game for as long as he lives. He won't allow it. He'll be dead on the floor before he lets that happen. But that's unacceptable. But he responded well the second game, and that, that's, that's a good sign. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving him an A-plus. I'd I can't say another good word about him. How about you, Eric? I agree with everything you said. I'll give him an A minus for those two reasons. One with uh, which Rashid mentions uh, the one point playoff game. The Celtics let him stand at the top of the key, and they were just like, "Shoot the ball, shoot it! I dare you." It's like when they were saying to Isaiah, "It's like shoot the ball, you midget." They're like Ben, <laughs> jack up a three, man. Just jack up a three. They're like, "Up, oh, he's not gonna." And the Celtics were able to clog the paint. Uh, the the other thing that gives me cause for concern is 56% from the line. Uh, that's 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 a true measure, a true measure of one's ability is where you have the opportunity by yourself to shoot the basketball into the net for free. 56% of the time, Ben succeeded, which means he failed 40, uh, 44% of the time. I need to see that it gets up to around 70%. I think he's capable of making that leap. I think he needs to decide, like, you know, how ambidextrous he is and which hand he wants to shoot with. And I know, I know this is something he's going to put the work in towards next uh, season. But 56% of the line is tough. Yeah. I know that, uh, you know, some, sometimes Hackaben didn't work. But Well, he did shoot, like, what was it? Like, I wouldn't say it's high 70s. It was, like, low 70s or, like, right at 70 for the playoffs. But he 70. Wasn't, he, yeah, he wasn't getting to the line that much, honestly, against the Celtics. It's, it's 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 really about maximizing weaknesses with Ben. It's that, you know, it, he played to his strengths. People knew he was going to play to his strengths, and yet he still succeeded. He was what? He was uh, just under 16 points and then 8-8. Eight and eight. 
that's incredible where it's like, all right, Ben's not going to shoot within 10 feet. Ben's not going to shoot within 10 feet. And yet they can't stop him unless you're Brad Stevens. <laughs> Facts. Um, I, I think personally that, you know, uh, I, I was hyped for Ben Simmons to be on the team. I'm like, finally, he's going to be here. He's going to be healthy. He exceeded all my expectations. I was like, oh, my God, this if he follows the same trajectory, like I honestly think he's MVP level talent, like within the next five to six years, like it is just crazy how good he is at what he does. And he's such a smart and cerebral player. Uh, obviously uh, things I would like to see from him personally, this upcoming season, obviously improvement on the shot, not even necessarily him uh, taking threes or attempting threes, but uh, pushing the shot a little further out. I also would love to see his post game improve more. Cause I feel like, when he was getting in the post against teams, especially against Boston, like it freaked people out. Like no one really knew what to do um, because nine times out of 10, he's either bigger than you or if you're bigger, if you're as big as him, he's way faster than you. And um, whenever Ben would get in the post, it's crazy, but his post game isn't really refined yet. So it wasn't as often as it should have been. Also, um, we didn't have Markel much, so his off ball ability wasn't really all that um, important this season, but you know, hopefully he gets to do some more off-ball stuff. Um, like, him and Embiid had nice two-man games. Um, that one game in Chicago where they basically scored a bulk of our points was amazing. Um, we won't do grades for everybody. I guess uh, the next thing I would say is how do you feel about... Who who would I group into role play? I wouldn't even... Is Dario Dario's not a role player, right? Like, how do you feel about how the bench slash role players did? So we're looking at uh, TJ, uh, Justin Anderson, um, at the end, Marco Bellinelli, Irsan Ilyasova, how, uh, and those guys. How do you feel overall the rest of our depth was this season? And what would you like to see in our depth moving forward, Eric? Uh, Rashid, you go first. I'm about to eat this last piece of sushi. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'll, I will work through this a little bit to give you some more time, Eric. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to just go through it. Not, I'm not going to give every player okay, something quick about everybody. Roko was absolute trash in the playoffs, completely utter trash. He could have threw him in the trash can and burned him. It wouldn't have mattered. He was utter trash in the playoffs. Uh, Marco, his defense is so bad that his offense almost doesn't matter in, in, in key moments. In the regular season, it's perfectly fine. In key moments, he just wasn't there. Uh, Ersan is valuable whether he's hitting a shot or not. He can do so many other things. He knows where to be and how to get there. TJ was the man, you know, for the first half of the season. Then he wasn't for the second half of the season. Then he was the man again in Boston. He's exactly – TJ was TJ. And if he's like this every year, I'll take it. I'm fine with that. Uh, Justin Anderson was better than I anticipated he was going to be. He got better. He continues to get better every offseason. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy about what he did. Markel, even though his shot isn't falling, he's still an NBA player. Even without it, without a three-point shot, he's still an NBA player. That means he has a good base to work with. You know what I mean? So uh, I have faith that Hamlin is going to work with a shot with him. He's going to be, he's going to end up all right. Uh, I truly believe that. Am I missing anybody on the bench? Anybody important? I should say. Um, I was going to say Bayless and TLC. TLC. Um. Uh, he was uh, kind of disappointing uh, this season. Yeah, totally. But I forgot. What was it. really weird was how well he performed in that midseason stretch when JJ was injured yeah. and he was yeah. starting. And he was like, 
hitting, he was shooting like 45% from three and, and he was cutting and making all his layups and everything. It was really weird. It made me think like, you know, maybe in a starting situation, not necessarily here, but somewhere else, maybe, you know, maybe that mental thing of, oh, if I fuck up, they're going to put me back on the bench uh, with being a bench player got to him a little, but it was really weird. He might have to, come, he might have to go to G League, uh, I believe. It, it might be the best thing for him because right now he's not going to play. Not the way he was performing after that. I, I really think the G League might, and I'm, I'm never an advocate for that, but I think he should go to the G League. Uh, oh, um, I forgot our backup center's name. Uh, not Rashawn. Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson. Amir, oh, yeah. He, I wish, if he could learn how to catch a basketball, he would be a really good player. <laughs> His defense is great, but he just fumbled. I, my fiance sitting here. I, I'm sure she remembers. Uh, we were watching the game. And I saw a great pass for him. And I said, pass it, pass it. And as the ball is flying towards him, I'm like, oh, no. This motherfucker's going to drop the ball. And he does. And the worst, I had the worst time at all. At the worst time. And I'm like, god damn it. He does, he does this every time we need him. But, uh, no, nah, I'll just decide that he On defense, he's exactly what we needed. We needed, like, this, he's what Rashawn Holmes can't be on defense. If Rashawn Holmes can be half that good on defense, he's a good, a very good backup center. Because he can actually catch the ball. Uh. But we need Amir Johnson this season. I don't really want him back, to be honest. Uh, I think that's he's one of those guys where his effectiveness is, is best served in one or maybe two season samplings. But I, I think he's done his part. I think we either sign somebody else who can defend a little bit or uh, Jonah Bolden comes over. If he's impressive enough, he might get those backup minutes at center. I'm a um, big Jonah Bolden believer. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to be pretty good, especially he just has good instincts which uh, Rashawn Holmes does not have good instincts on defense. Perfect energy guy, though. Rashawn Holmes had some of the best, like, energy plays of the season. He was up there with Trevor Booker. <laughs> mm. um, but also, you know, his energy dunks are just crazy. Uh, who who else is there to talk about? Oh, well, we did leave him out specifically, so I guess he should get his own individual grade. How do we feel about the year two experience, the year two, uh, year two of the Dario... Sharich experience. I uh, finished my sushi, so I will jump back in. And he's some he's somebody who gets when he gets starters minutes, he finds consistency. I believe he's right. He's a good defender, not the greatest, not the worst, and he takes he takes smart shots. He's very efficient when he shoots, and that's something that I've always appreciated about it. He's a big man, and he's good for his fouls. Dario is just. Smart. And there's something there's something that's always you always see with those European players is that they know their place and they know not to try to do too much. Dario never forced anything, and he plays with energy as high intensity as TJ McConnell. I remember that play where he just like dove on the floor, like slapped it up to either Simmons or Embiid for the slam dunk. He like ended up getting like Murphy or whatever like on it. it was a, yeah, celebrated like it was the goal in the yeah, World Cup or something. He, uh, he's he found a home in Philadelphia, and I'm excited to see him develop further. I'd like to see him step up a little more on defense. At times, he looked a little lost, um, but he he's a very efficient shooter and someone who's always going to give you like 12 to 16 a game. How about you, Eric? I'm Eric. I mean, Eric. Uh, how about you, Rashid? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was reading an Eric Jr. post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dario's one of those players I, I latch on to players sometimes like uh, 
his name is sacrilegious now, but Andre Godala used to be my guy. I love, I pick certain players and I just attach myself to him. Dario is one of those players. If he's on the court, I'm paying attention always to him, whatever he's doing. Uh, I think he has the potential to be a 20 plus point scorer, like efficiently at the, at the top of his career when we, when we'll probably need him most when we're really, really contending. Uh, he might jump up there now, for all I know. He really looks like he knows, like you said, Eric, he knows where to be. He knows how to get there. He knows what work it takes to get to where he wants to go. Uh, the only thing is, if he could get, he's in good shape. If he could, he has to get in like, he has to go find Ray Allen, get in that type of shape, like type of, I, I can be 40 and still be in great shape type of shape. He really has to get as strong and as fast as he physically can because his defense, he is smart on defense. He knows where to get to. He can't always get there on defense. On offense, he knows where to go and how to get there, like I said. But on defense, he can't. He knows I have to step all the way over this way, but the guy's gone by the time he gets there. It, his lateral quickness is not as bad as Philo uh, Okafor, but it's not the greatest. It, it, that's the only thing. Like, his shot is fine. He, I believe he shot 39 or 40-something percent from the field, still from the three. He shot well from the field. He passes well. He does everything on offense well, pretty much. I just need him to work on the defense a little bit. It's not even He doesn't even have to be a lockdown guy. If he could just be a little bit better, he would be perfect. But because he's one of my favorite players in the league, in the league, not just on our team, in the league, he's one of my favorite players, I'm going to give him an A-. minus. the worst I can give him, possibly. I, I just remember at the beginning of the season, everybody – not everybody, but there there are groups of people concerned, me included, of uh, Simmons's fit with Dario. Um, just specifically just because, and I still believe this to be the truth, even though we didn't do it as much this season and he just improved overall. Um, but Dario, I feel like, is at his best when the ball's in his hands um, in the high post and just like creating offense. He's just, he's a, he's an underrated passer. I feel like his vision is really up there. And he, he showed it in, in the uh, Eurobasket tournament uh, in the summer before the season too some of his 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 game was his game is all around but his consistency from three like this season like that jump that he had from rookie year to this year was just insane and like I have to give him just uh just from he did exactly what we needed from him this season and I couldn't have asked anything more from him he gets an A from me like I did not expect him to become that cold-blooded from three as he was. And uh, Dario had some cold-blooded three. Like, you could tell Dario's just, like, a winner. He has them those ice that ice in his veins. Like, he has no fear when taking the dagger three or taking uh, – well, we were down by – we were either down or it was the dagger against Cleveland, like, in front of their bench, looking back at their bench – and after making the three like Dario is just cold-blooded he has a killer's mentality I can't get enough of him I really hope he stays on the team if he has to leave due to Kawhi reasons or whatever then so be it but I love what the homie did this season for us um so I guess that that was the team that was the coach uh pretty much I would don't even want to rate Brian Colangelo because he's gone (laughs) I don't even want to talk about him anymore but uh it was the two. I guess the two weirdest things that happened were really just the false thing and the burner account thing, right? Why? Why does it feel like all these weird things keep happening to us? Um, Adam Silver secretly implementing like you know Colangelo in um, the whole false thing. I I, I I I honestly have no 
idea on that to be honest but the 30 for 30 on the process in like 20 years is going to be like oscar worthy television i am i am so worried about that it's like what if i told you that like chick-fil-a had like an eight count nuggets or some shit like that it's like oh god it's going down it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating but colangelo's gone brett's basically gm right now although they're doing draft by the committee at this point and Fultz's shoulder is on the upswing. Uh, he's looked really good in some limited videos that we've seen. It's on working, to the next year. Working with Drew Hanlon, which is a really good look. Um, I'm excited. And I'm I think excited. Embiid's back from vacation, and he's doing some work too. Although I think Embiid's like kind of just like dunking on dudes in South Philly, and then just like playing tennis. So I'm sure he'll <laughs> resume helping. his basketball activities he's, soon enough. With Mo Bamba, he's working out with Mo Bamba with Drew with, with Hanlon actually. And specifically uh, today, there was a soccer tournament that Embiid won, and I don't know whose team he was on in particular, but TJ McConnell got to go up against Steve Nash in soccer today. Just throwing that out there. If you throw on, if you go on R yeah, I read about a photo, that. Yeah, if you go on R Sixers, there's a photo of both of them, and seeing TJ, even though it was soccer and not basketball, be right next to Steve Nash like that was amazing. I salivate thinking of the two just talking basketball together. Steve's like, yo, dude, like you you have no idea how hard it is. TJ's like, I know. If only if only McConnell <laughs> had the skill to mash, but those two guys worked with what they had and just made made a niche for themselves. Obviously, Nash is a first ballot Hall of Famer and McConnell's a first ballot Hall of Famer in my heart, but maybe not in maybe not in the basketball hall of fame. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, one thing that um I wanted to bring up with Justin Anderson too is that he had shin splints for a lot of the year. Shin splints are tricky. They really are. It's something yeah, you can't Yeah, he was actually out for like a long time now that I think of it. But that's something that, you know, you get a, you get a really good look at Justin Anderson this year. He's got an off season to put his feet up or his shins up so to speak and and time to really recover. So it'll be interesting to see what JA can do this year and not Jared Bayless. <laughs> I swear, I'm getting all my Bayless knocks in in case he's traded tomorrow because then afterwards, the like, next podcast will just be like, he's gone! I really hope he's, he's gone. gone. And, I, and I know, who, who, who do I think? I think just from, like, not detective work, but just from, like, listening to every podcast Sixers related and listening to every, like, J.J. Redick interview and T.J. McConnell interview over the season, they were, like, really good friends with him. I know y'all are really good friends with him, but he's just, like, not good. If we could just get rid of him, that'd be great. Um, but, okay, so... We have been going for quite a while now. We're hitting an hour and 16, so I, I think I, I don't have anything else to say. Do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, no. Okay, so we are all in agreement. If he's there at 10, Mikhail Bridges, correct? Yep. 100%. Okay, yep, yep. so that is it for episode 10. Uh, we will speak to you guys after the draft. Um Hopefully we have McCall on our team or who knows, we may have Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard or something. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Huh. I get, we will, we will find out next time that we have this podcast together. Um, again, this is top three protected for Eric and for Rashid. I am Eddie. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy the pod. Please rate us, subscribe on iTunes and uh, Google play. Also, you can follow us on SoundCloud. So repost and like on there. Back soon. All right, guys. Peace. Just the process.